Hi there. I've gotten a lot of questions from people asking how they can support or contribute to the podcast. The best thing you can do if you want to help out is leave a review and a rating on Apple Podcasts. Even if you don't use that app to listen to podcasts, it still helps out the show a ton. Thanks. Here's a little story that must be told. It's a music that is all beat and talk. It's rap music. We don't do that in my music, man. I'm tired of you saying that. Yeah, how about the gang rape on you? But when it comes to the children, Wu-Tang is for the children. You had a, a rap singer here last night named Sister Soldier. And they, they, they've given them permission to go down and shoot us. Welcome to Anatomy of a Verse, the podcast that examines rap music and hip-hop culture one verse at a time. I'm Max Maples, and today's episode is about Deborah Harry and her rap on the 1980 song Rapture. Fab Five Freddy told me everybody's side. DJ spinning, I said, my, my. Flash is fast, flash is cool. Francois, c'est pas flash in now, if you've never heard this song before, then let me be the first to tell you, the rapping has not aged all that well, musically speaking. However, it is still a hugely important song, and one that we have to talk about if we want to understand the evolution of early hip-hop. I know, by today's standards, it very much has all the hallmarks of cringy cultural appropriation. But I promise, as we dive into the story behind this song, and the people who were involved with it, will begin to realize that it's much more important than that. As we discussed in our first episode, hip-hop culture began in the early mid-70s in the South Bronx. But it didn't really attach itself to the mainstream until around 1988. So today we're going to talk about what happened in between those two points, when the music and the culture were growing and spreading all around New York City. It just so happened that during this same time period, also in New York City, there was another music scene that was about to explode into American pop culture, a scene that surprisingly had a lot in common with hip-hop. And this one was focused mainly in the Manhattan neighborhood of the Lower East Side. I saw you standing on the corner. You look so big and fine. I really wanted to go out with you. So when you smiled, I laid my heart on the line. This is the 1976 song X Offender by Blondie, who were part of the New York City punk scene in the early mid-70s along with other legendary bands like Television, The Ramones, and The Talking Heads. Blondie's music began as a cross between punk rock and 60s pop, which perfectly suited their captivating lead singer, Deborah Harry, whose style and mannerisms were heavily influenced by Marilyn Monroe. I'm gonna win ya. I'll get ya, I'll get ya. 
As they got more and more popular outside of the punk scene, they began experimenting with new styles and influences, branching into new wave music and, most notably, embracing disco on their biggest hit song from 1978, Heart of Glass, which went number one in the U.S., the U.K., Canada, Australia, and several other European countries. And it was around this time that Deborah Harry and her boyfriend Chris Stein, who was the co-founder and main guitarist in Blondie, met the man who would introduce them to hip-hop. Yo, welcome to the premiere of Yo MTV Raps. I'm Fab Five Freddy Coolin out here with the gorgeous. Way before he was the host of Yo MTV Raps. Fab Five Freddy was a teenager living at his parents' apartment in Bed-Stuy, Brooklyn, sneaking out at night to paint graffiti murals on subway train cars. But Freddy also had a passion for legitimate legal art. He became close friends with several members of the downtown art scene, like Jean-Michel Basquiat, Keith Haring, and the father of pop art himself, Andy Warhol. Much like how graffiti was an artistic companion to hip-hop music, the downtown art scene was like an artistic companion to punk rock. And here's Freddie himself from an interview explaining why he became interested in the downtown scene. And I began to think that some of these people doing this punk rock new wave, some of these new things I'm reading about might be open to these ideas of a person like me making art coming from a graffiti world, um, and then I also had the idea to link the beginnings of what became hip-hop as a, to, to show that there was a whole culture that was developing in the ghettos of New York City, primarily the Bronx, up in Manhattan, deep in Brooklyn. There were things going on that I thought constituted a cultural movement. Um, of course, this is at a time when there was no positive press at all about any of this stuff. Nothing was written about except if you were black and brown in the New York press, you were pretty much often depicted, you know, if you were young black and brown with a hat to the side, a certain type of swag or whatever, you were depicted as a criminal. And I wanted to kind of change that narrative as well as um, insert myself into the, you know, creative space. And my idea was if I could connect with some of these new wave punk rock people that seem to have these really wild, radical, revolutionary ideas, I might can get an audience with some people that might feel me. He quickly earned a reputation as a charismatic, smooth-talking, social chameleon who seemed to be everywhere all at once. And this was how he would eventually become known as the key figure responsible for merging these two scenes. And that eventually happened. I connected with Glenn O'Brien, who was one of the uh, editors, writers for Interview Magazine. Um, and then he was about to do a public access cable TV show, which is where I would really become close with Jean-Michel. I had met him a little bit earlier. And this public access TV show called TV Party was also where Freddie would become friends with Deborah Harry and Chris Stein from Blondie. 
Here's Chris Stein from a 2013 interview talking about the time that Fab Five Freddy took them to a hip-hop party in the Bronx. So in 1977, he took a bunch of us uptown to the Bronx to a police athletic league, which is like a youth center, neighborhood youth center. And um, we saw this big event. Yeah. This big rap event, which was super exciting, it was just phenomenal, yeah. and it was definitely it was a game changer for me. Certainly, it was because it, I could kind of saw that it was paralleling what was going on downtown, but we weren't really didn't know much about it, you know. It was uh, we it was like a gymnasium type thing with a stage, and there was a, it was a, it wasn't just a gig by one group. It was a bunch. It was kind of a festival where there were a bunch of groups. And Flash and Funky Four and maybe Cold Crush and I can't remember. And thus began Blondie's relationship with the uptown hip-hop scene, eventually inspiring them to write what would become the first rap song ever to hit number one on the Billboard charts. And that song is also the subject of today's episode, released in 1980 from the album Auto American, the song Rapture. The title of the song is obviously a play on the word rap, but it is also a description of the mental state of the audience members at this event that Debbie and Chris went to with Fab Five Freddy, or at least that's how Deborah Harry saw it. Let's take a listen to the first part of the song. She begins with the lyrics, toe to toe, dancing very close, body breathing, almost comatose. This part of the song would later be interpolated in rapper KRS-One's 1997 single, Step Into a World, which is also a song about being immersed in hip-hop culture. Now, before we get to Deborah Harry's rap, I should mention that she has made it very clear in many interviews that she does not see herself as a hip-hop MC by any stretch. And in fact, she even gets very embarrassed listening back to the song in one particular interview that I came across. But it's important to remember that for millions of people all around the world, this was the first time they had heard anything like this. And for those who were familiar with hip-hop, none of them at the time thought that it would become the global juggernaut that it is today, except for maybe Fab Five Freddy. So Harry begins her verse in true hip-hop fashion with a shout-out to the man who made it all possible. 
Here's Fab Five Freddy again from a 2015 interview. Well, basically, um, I would be explaining to them what was going on, the culture, the lingo of this new culture happening mostly in the ghettos of Upper Manhattan, Harlem, and the Bronx. And um, they were very fascinated. So I was like, you know, there's fly guys and there's fly girls and Flash is fast, meaning DJ Grandmaster Flash. And uh, Debbie just made her own thing up, which was kind of funny, kind of goofy, and kind of cool. Now, let's take a second here. And I want you to think about the last time you heard a pop or rock or country musician mention one of their real-life peers by name on a song. Probably never, because this is something that doesn't really happen in other genres. You'd never hear Paul McCartney singing lyrics about Bob Dylan passing him his first joint, unless the story was being told through some kind of coded language or metaphor. But in hip-hop, this happens all the time, especially among friends or members of the same crew. And furthermore, name-dropping in hip-hop is almost always a sign of respect. Now, I kind of doubt that Debbie Harry was thinking that deeply about these lines when she wrote them. But what is clear is that she does recognize rapping as a unique mode of musical expression with a different set of rules from punk rock or disco music. And for those who don't know, DJ Grandmaster Flash is not only hip-hop's original turntable virtuoso, but also one of the three founding fathers of hip-hop. And he also happened to be the DJ at the event that Debbie and Chris attended. Let's take a quick listen to a clip from his 1981 recording, The Adventures of Grandmaster Flash on the Wheels of Steel, which samples Rapture, effectively giving that song his seal of approval. You say, 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 you say one for the trouble, two for the time. Come on, girls, let's rock that. Bad, bad, Freddy told me everybody's side. DJ spinning, I said, my, my. Flash is fast, flash is fast, flash is fast. Flash is cool, Francois, c'est pas, flash ain't no juice. You say one for the trouble, two for the time. Come on, girls, let's rock that. It might not seem like such a big deal that Harry is using her first bars to shout out two pioneers of hip-hop. But consider that right around the same time, in 1980, the hip-hop community in the South Bronx was feeling very bitter about a different rap song that did not pay its proper respects. I said a hip the hip, the hip, the the hip, hip hopper. You don't stop the rocker to the bang, bang, boogie. Say up, jump the boogie to the rhythm of the boogie to beat. Now what you hear is not a test. I'm rapping to the beat, and me, the groove, and my friends are gonna try to move your feet. This, of course, is the 1979 song by the Sugar Hill Gang, "Rapper's Delight," the first recorded rap song to achieve commercial success. However. The hip-hop community saw it as a sham, a poor imitation of real hip-hop, thrown together by outsiders who only cared about money. And to make matters worse, many of the lyrics had been plagiarized from one of the Bronx's most respected MCs, Grandmaster Kaz, 
also known as Casanova Fly. Here he is from a 2014 interview. Um, I mean, basically, I wrote everything Hank said on Rapper's Delight, all right? I'm the C-A-S-N-O-V-A, that's my name, Casanova Fly. And next on the mic is my man Hank, come on Hank, sing that song. Check it out, I'm the C-A-S-N, the O-V-A, and the rest is F-L-Y. You see, I go by the code of the doctor of the mix, and these reasons I'll tell you why. You see, I'm six foot... Now, don't get me wrong, Rapper's Delight is a seminal hip-hop record, and this will not be the last time we talk about it on this podcast. But for the purposes of this episode, it's important to know that Debbie Harry and Chris Stein did not approach their rap song the way that the Sugar Hill Gang approached Rapper's Delight a few months earlier. And this meant a lot. However, I should mention that Blondie was inspired by the backing track used for Rapper's Delight, the song Good Times by Sheik. And unlike the Sugar Hill Gang, Debbie and Chris would go on to form a close and friendly working relationship with the members of Sheik. This is all to say that Rapture was not trying to be a representation of hip-hop, nor was it trying to compete with hip-hop. Its mission was Fab Five Freddy's mission, to elevate and bring awareness to the culture. And a few months later, Debbie Harry doubled down on this mission when she was invited to be both host and musical guest on Saturday Night Live. She, in turn, invited the Funky Four Plus One to perform marking the very first nationally televised hip-hop performance ever. Ah, the next group are among the best street rappers in the country. Please welcome my friends from the Bronx, the Funky Four, plus one more. Yeah! If you're ready for this, say you're ready for this. Well, we just can't miss with a beat like this. Come on, come on, come on, it's the joy. Before we get back to Rapture, I want to make sure I'm not understating just how weird all of this was back then. In 1980, Debbie Harry was arguably the world's biggest sex symbol and fashion icon. Her face was everywhere from a portrait by Andy Warhol to graffiti murals and canvases all over New York City. Her rap in Rapture is not the same thing as Justin Timberlake or Lady Gaga rapping in the early 2000s. It would be more like if Justin Timberlake or Lady Gaga decided to sing a traditional Arabic folk song on one of their albums. I mean, nobody in her fan base had any idea what the hell she was talking about. And the rest of the rap is done in the form of a silly story about getting eaten by a man from Mars 
who likes to eat cars and bars and yes, even guitars. These lyrics don't have a whole lot to do with hip hop culture specifically. So I'm gonna shift focus for a second and talk about something else that's very important about the song Rapture. It was one of the first songs ever to have a music video played on MTV. And like the song itself, the video is also pretty weird and awkward by today's standards. But let's be honest, most of the early MTV music videos were kind of awkward. However, in this video, if you look closely during Debbie's rap, you'll see Fab Five Freddy and two other very important New York City artists standing in the background. The first is Jean-Michel Basquiat, standing in pretty awkwardly for DJ Grandmaster Flash, who wasn't able to make the video shoot. If you don't know about Basquiat, well, eight years after this song was released, he would die of a heroin overdose, just as his career as an artist was beginning to take off. And in the year 2017, his painting, Untitled, sold for $110 million, the most amount of money ever paid at an auction for any piece of American-made art. The second artist that we see in the video is Lee Quinones. He earned his reputation by painting huge, sprawling subway train car murals in the late 70s and early 80s. He's often known simply by his tag, Lee, and he's one of the few original graffiti artists to successfully transition from the streets to the art galleries. Also, Lee Quinones' story is the subject of the hugely influential 1983 film, Wild Style, often called the first hip-hop movie. We don't have time to talk about Wild Style in length on this episode, but I should mention that Chris Stein from Blondie was a musical producer on the film. This is all to say that this music video is a very interesting and unique look into that synthesis between the New York City art scene, the punk rock music scene, and the hip hop scene. We tend to think of these three scenes as separate and independent from one another, but in this music video, you can see three legends of all of those scenes working together. So let's listen to some more of this verse where the man from Mars continues his hungry rampage. You keep on eating cars Then when there's no more cars You go out at night and eat up bars Where the people meet Face to face, dance cheek to cheek One to one, man to man Dance toe to toe, don't move too slow Cause the man from Mars is through with cars He's eating bars, yeah, wall to wall Door to door, hall to hall He's gonna eat them all Rapture, be pure Take a tour, through the sword Don't strain your brain I want to be very clear here. Deborah Harry is not hip-hop's white savior. And in fact, Rapture would be Blondie's last number one single, as their success quickly dwindled and made way for shinier and more polished pop stars like Madonna. Also, most of the MCs and DJs that Blondie befriended and championed like the Funky Four Plus One and Grandmaster Kaz's group, the Cold Crush Brothers, would not get the fame or credit that they truly deserved, as hip-hop 
soon began its meteoric rise to the mainstream. But the connection that they helped forge between the uptown and the downtown scenes would shape the evolution of hip-hop enormously. By 1982, MCs like Curtis Blow and the soon-to-be megastars Run DMC were flocking to the neighborhood of Chelsea to perform at clubs like the Roxy, where they would mix and mingle with white downtowners like Madonna, Cher, and the Beastie Boys. And the most successful hip-hop record label of all time, Def Jam Records, was created in 1984 specifically to channel this synthesis of white punk rock and black hip-hop into hugely successful acts like Run DMC and the Beastie Boys and LL Cool J. In other words, Rapture was just the tip of an enormous iceberg that, for better or for worse, would reveal itself to be a ridiculously successful multi-billion dollar cultural industry. Anatomy of a Verse is created by me, Max Maples, in Brooklyn, New York. Today's episode is dedicated to the one and only Jean-Michel Basquiat. Next time, we're going to talk about West Coast gangster rap and two of its biggest heroes, Snoop Doggy Dog and Dr. Dre. Thanks for listening. Because the man from Mars won't eat our balls where the TV's on. Now he's gone back up to space where he would have a hassle with the human and hip hop and don't stop just blast off sure shot cause the man from Mars stopped eating cars and eating bars and now he only eats guitars yeah